Well, aloha, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, live from Maui, Hawaii. My name is Michael Benner, your host every week for this Sunday afternoon class in metaphysics and mysticism and meditation and magic and I guess a bunch of other words that begin with the letter M. Really nice to be with you. We're uh, about a year and a half into this series, and I'd like to begin today by reminding you that every one of these programs, actually there's a single exception, one program the recorder failed, but except for that one program a few months ago, all of these classes are archived on my website, theagelesswisdom.com, and the word the is part of the address. So after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. Click on the home page to go inside or click on newsletter if you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter. It's absolutely free and tells you all about this program every week and also the premium content that Steve Snyder and I produce out of our sister site, FocusedPassion.com. But once you're signed up for the newsletter, click home page to go inside and then use the link that says Web Teleconference. And you'll see the archives of all the past programs as well as a little gadget there that you can use to forward these audio programs to your friends, especially those people that you know who are really interested in this kind of material. They want the personal development and the spiritual development information, but they don't understandably want to join some organization or ashram or follow a particular guru my background is that of a broadcast journalist, as many of you know. Uh, Steve Snyder has been a CEO trainer for 30 years, and we've worked together for 35 years doing private seminars for business, public seminars for the general public, and a lot of one-on-one -on -one work as well. So personal and spiritual development is what we're about at both of these sites. We often call it personal empowerment. And if that's what your friends are looking for, then they're really going to value you forwarding these programs on to them. So think of the, you know, you listen to one of these programs, like today's topic is vision, the nature of vision, and you say, boy, I know somebody that would really love that program and really benefit from it, too. You'll find a gadget in the audio archive at theagelesswisdom.com that allows you to do that won't cost you a thing. All of this is free as a public service of FocusedPassion.com. We appreciate uh, those of you who are contributing there as well. Secondly, I want to remind you that in addition to your long-standing ability to participate by text, these programs are live and interactive, and uh, though many people do listen to the replay, those of you listening live now can submit at any time, even now, even before the class begins, you could use this page to type in a question or a comment, include your name and the city where you're located um, in the appropriate little box, and then be sure and hit the submit button, and even if it's just a hi, hello, and aloha, we'll, uh, we'll get to some or most of those, sometimes all of them, before we close the class today. And 
Also, we have this brand new radio talk show kind of feature. In the past, people who chose to listen by telephone had to be muted out. Now we can unmute you one at a time if you raise your hand. So if you're on the telephone or listening on the web and you'd like to call in and and do the talk show part of this, use any one of the telephone numbers on the screen in front of you. Right above the player, you'll see a primary telephone number, a backup telephone number. And if you're still paying for long distance by the minute, in other words, if you do not yet have a flat rate long distance service, you might want to click on other numbers. There's phone numbers all over the United States you can use to call and uh, then just enter the conference ID so that you come to the right conference. doesn't matter really which of these phone numbers you use. Just be sure you enter the conference ID that's also listed right there above the player, and you'll come into this class. Okay. So whether you listen on the web and the telephone or you go from one to the other or back and forth or you got to go and you take your cell phone with you, whatever, um, you can now not only listen in both ways, but you can participate in both ways too. So think about any question or comment that you may want to ask on this topic or any other for that matter. Okay, and we'll go to those a little bit later in uh, in today's program on vision. All right? And let's see if there was anything else. I mentioned the archives. You can also go to the newsletter archive, and that's a comment blog as well, at theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. Again, it's, the, remember, the, 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 <laughs> the T-H-E part has to be included. So the W is dot theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com to go to the newsletter archive. And that's a great way to get links to past archives, past programs, past classes as well. All right. And I'll tell you a little about Focus Passion when we wrap it up and what Steve and I are up to over there with our premium uh, premium content audio programs for those of you who are really serious about investing in your personal growth. And uh, yet we're happy to provide this class and all of the free uh, e-books and text documents that are available on both of these sites. Uh, so take advantage of those and Educate yourself, even uh, the reading list. We have a reading list posted. And uh, so there's many different ways to educate you and introduce you to personal and spiritual development without having to find the one right way. Boy, if you're still doing that game, trying to find the one particular path, whether it's psychological or philosophical or spiritual or religious, trying to find the one that works for you is usually impossible. But to be eclectic, to be harmonious, to be inclusive, and study all paths in a comparative way, to read between the lines and then keep what fits and what makes sense and cast aside what you find to be silly or nonsensical or superstitious, is the mystic's path. That's the way an individual 
responds, I'll use that word, the way an individual responds to that inner calling that all of us have to be better. And this is part of our topic today. Nice transition or segue into our theme for the day. In this week's newsletter that I'm sure most of you are already getting, uh, I quoted a American, Native American shaman, a Cherokee, I believe, who goes by the name of High Eagle. He's a contemporary. He's alive today. And he talks about vision in this way. And, of course, the Native American Indian and shamans of pre-industrialized people around the world will often talk about a vision quest, which is a passage that young men and in some tribes, young women go through to find their particular calling. They usually go out into the wilderness and um, meditate, contemplate and reflect until they can figure out what is the nature of that inner urge that everybody has. Uh, don't be confused. You may not be in touch with it, but you have that inner urge. It's, it's sort of like the dreams you have at night. I've had many people tell me over the years, well, Michael, I, I don't dream. I don't have dreams. And, of course, I have to correct them and say, well, actually, you, you do have dreams, Everybody dreams for five or six minutes every 90 minutes or so during the night. About every one and a half hours, you'll go into REM activity for five or six minutes. Have a dream. You may not remember them, but you're having the dream. Well, in the same way, you may not be in touch with your purpose or the meaning of your life, your, your, your calling, so to speak. And yet, it's in there, an urge to be who you really are, um, to follow your particular gifts and talents, God-given, inalienable, and to pursue, to develop through a sensitivity to that longing, through the nature of a vision quest, not only a sense of who I am, but why am I here? What am I for? And what do I do to pursue this urge? First of all, to find it, put my finger on it, feel the pulse, and then to pursue that urge to be who I really am. Don't you think that would give you a little peace of mind and help you to, by bringing a sense of not only purpose, but even more personal than that, meaning, to bring meaning into your life. Don't you think that would be fulfilling and fill in some of the empty spaces that many of us have in our lives? That's really what it's about. Uh, your life is not a mistake, right? I mean, even if your parents didn't plan to conceive of another child and you just happened along as a kind of an accident and somehow figured that out or always suspected it, it doesn't matter. The vehicle that you inherit, the physical body that your parents created through conception, is just that. It's an instrument or a vehicle for your pre-existing soul to occupy. And you have a mission, like the old Blues Brothers movie with uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, we're here on a mission from God to rock and roll and play the blues. You have a mission to 
may not be the blues or rock and roll, but you're here for a reason. You have a purpose. Do not waste this lifetime. Think of how much of it we've already wasted, right? Trying to please other people. Trying to find a job where we can make some money and then we'll be happy. Trying to be successful to create happiness. Because nobody ever explained to us that that's actually backwards. That success never leads to happiness. It's happiness that can lead to success. But we got to get the horse in front of the cart here. Happiness is the way to success. Happiness is not an outcome. The outcome is the vision. And you've heard it said life is more about the journey than the destination. Now you get a sense of why. So let me share this quotation from High Eagle that I put into our newsletter this week, and then we'll go from there. He makes a couple of very important points here. He says, to have a vision, one must be prepared to receive it. That's the first part. One must be prepared to receive it, and when it comes, to accept it. Okay? Two very important points already. To have a vision, you must be prepared to receive it, and when it comes, willing to accept it. He goes on. Thus, when these inner urges become reality, when your vision manifests out in the world, in other words, he continues, only then can visions be fulfilled. The spiritual side of life knows everyone's heart and who to trust. And then he adds this. Check this out. He goes on. How could a vision ever be given to someone to harbor if that person could not be trusted to carry it out? The message is simple. Commitment precedes vision. There are at least four very important points in there. Um, I've already emphasized the importance of the first two. You have to be prepared you have to be willing to accept the vision, you know, the assignment. Here's your assignment. <laughs> Here's the reason that you're alive. I think a lot of people know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They know the calling in their heart and in their mind, but they have a variety of reasons for not doing it and then complaining and pretending that they don't know who they really are and what they're really for. It's likely that you do. You've, you've just been pushing it away and, and denying it. But you know that saying that uh, you often hear about God or the absolute or the universe or providence or whatever your belief system may be, higher power, creator, source, never gives you more than you can handle, right? Well, this is a variation on that. The idea that, how does High Eagle say it? How could a vision ever be given to someone to harbor if that vision could not be trusted? Or if that person, I'm sorry, if that person could not be trusted to carry it out. In other words, the way I would say that is you cannot be given an assignment or a task without the means to attain it. In other words, the game is rigged. You're flying with a net. You cannot fail at, at fulfilling your life's calling 
in wonderful, successful, and, of course, happy ways. Happiness is the way. Unless you quit. And how many times have we done that? Right? Um, procrastinated. Got, got almost to the end, 90% of the way, and then you throw in the towel because it gets too scary. Or maybe you don't even try. Maybe you don't even start. Right? Um, you, you keep putting it off. Well, that could be the result of critical parenting. Um, could be the result of perfectionism, which also is connected to critical parenting or some sort of emotional trauma as a child. It could be um, an unwillingness to, to take risks. For example, it may be a fear that you'll be disappointed. Perhaps someone in your life said to you on numerous occasions, well, you know, I, I just don't want you to get your hopes up. I don't want you to dream those big dreams. Uh, I don't want you to be disappointed. And that's an authority figure like a parent, one or both of your parents, or my God, a school teacher. I had a, an art teacher in the eighth grade. I'll always remember this. She should have known better. Uh, you know, she leaned, she leaned over me from behind my shoulder and looked at what I was drawing, which I thought was frankly pretty good. It was a tree. God, I'll always remember this. And she looked at my really cool tree that I was drawing, and I was really into the flow and everything. She said, Michael, I sure am glad you're good at math and science because you'll never be an artist. That's for sure. And she killed that dream. Well, what if somebody had said to me, boy, you'll never be a broadcast journalist, that's for sure. You'll never be a radio talk show host, that's for sure. And they were a high, credible source, like a parent. Or maybe they were just more general and said, well, I know you're thinking about being a broadcast journalist and moving from rural Michigan to Los Angeles to work at KABC and KLOS and and, and I know that's your dream, Michael, but gosh, I I just don't want you to be disappointed, right? Well, what are they saying? Uh, they're, they're saying that sooner or later you're going to fail, so if you would just keep your dreams small and don't fly too high, then when you do fail, the disappointment will be less. But they're programming failure. Maybe that's why you're procrastinating or pretending that you don't already know your vision, your the results of your vision quest. And again, we're not talking about physical eyeballs here. We're talking about that third eye between the brows. In yoga, this is the Ajna Center, the sixth of seven chakras. The third eye is the mind's eye. It is the it corresponds anyway. The physical touchdown point is the pituitary gland and part of the endocrine gland system. And this is where we get vision. This is associated with hypnagogic imagery or guided imagery or visualization, if you will. Uh, dreaming, right? But not only the dreams that you have while unconscious and remember in the morning, if you're lucky, but the lucid dreams that you have that you're aware of while you sleep 
as you sleep. Have you ever had that experience? A lucid dream, pretty far out. And more commonly, imagination. The images, look at the word image in imagination. The mental pictures at the mind's eye or the third eye, the agina, the pituitary, sees provided you close your physical eyeballs, take a few slow, deep breaths, uh, let go of muscular tension, relax, letting go even of the grip that we have on our ideas and our emotions, let it all go, relax, detach, and become mindful instead of mindless. That's where we are most of the time when our eyes are open, right? Mindless. You've noticed, I'm sure, in school, at work, and elsewhere, attempts to manage the mental or even the emotional nature in a high-stress situation, the harder you try, the worse you do. So the secret to managing your thoughts, to quieting the mental nature, and managing your emotional feelings, calming the emotional nature, is relaxation. A few slow, deep breaths, close your eyes. We'll do this a little later in the class today. Create and sense a feeling of relaxation in the body and then form in your mind the question that you want to better understand. In this case, today's class is about vision, a vision quest. Finding that calling, you know, if you want to know what makes you tick, you got to find that pulse point. And you're not going to find it with your eyes open looking around into the world. You, you've tried that. You could look through uh, course catalogs at college. You can uh, go to a guidance counselor in your high school or, your, or, or college or university. You can take all kinds of tests and inventories. You can look in the want ads in the newspaper and and monster.com and other job boards. And that's what most people do. They look outside of themselves to try to find a fit. And rarely, rarely does that work. But when you close your eyes and relax, create and sense a feeling of letting go and contemplate or reflect on the question, who am I really? And why am I here? Or what am I for? Or what am I supposed to do? Those of you who are religious, uh, I'll call your attention to the fact that most of us were taught to pray by asking God to do things for us. There's not much difference between petitioning God, send me some stuff, uh, <laughs> give me some stuff, and Santa Claus, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, Steve and I were recalling, uh, my partner Steve Snyder and I from FocusedPassion.com, we were recalling uh, the abundance uh, prosperity preacher from the uh, 80s, Reverend Ike. And Reverend Ike said, don't pray to God for a new car. Cars are made in Detroit. So go to Detroit if you want a new car. Uh, you know, 
the idea that we pray for stuff and, and treat God like Santa Claus, how about an alignment, a prayer, if you will, or a meditation that is more of an offering of, hey, what can I do for you? Thank you for this gift that is my life in this incredibly significant era in the development of humanity. And be grateful for all the good things that you, that you do already have. Put your attention on what you've got now and be grateful for, grateful for that as a way of saying, so what can I do for you? What would you like me to do? Based on the assumption that you were born with a purpose, you were born with meaning, with a potential to bring meaning into your life, to find a calling based on how you feel. It's, it's less of a mental or intellectual endeavor to find your calling than to honor the urge that you have within you to be the best that you can be. Now, as a bit of an aside, let me say, if you, in all honesty, and you don't have to tell anybody this, you don't, you don't have to come forward and confess to me, that's for sure, but if in your heart of hearts, in all honesty, you don't have a longing to be better. You don't feel any kind of urge to do something exciting and fun and thrilling. Or maybe you once did, but you ignored it and denied it and pushed it away so many times that you've just lost track of it. Fear not. It can be rekindled. Right? It's just like, it looks like the fire might be out, but there's a little ember, so if you get down there and blow gently, right, uh, you can fan that little bitty ember into a raging fire once again. And so it is with your calling, with your meaning, your purpose. I'm using these words interchangeably. Purpose is really the word that I want for vision. Meaning is more personal. It's like purpose is universal. Everybody has a purpose, which is to discover who they are, really, not the ego part, but the higher sense of who you are, and then develop that higher self. Meaning is more of a, a personal, subjective awareness of what else you're doing and having and being along the way, right? So, I don't know, let's see if I can think of a purpose would be like, uh, I'm in a cold environment and I need warm clothing. Meaning is more personal. It says, well, I'd like uh, a jacket that looks like this and some gloves that are made like this. And uh, you know, If purpose is universal or objective, uh, the meaning of your life is a little more intimate and personal and uh, subjective. Okay, If we're going to split hairs on meaning and, uh, and purpose. Uh, so, so meaning is sort of what you bring to your understanding of purpose. Today we're calling it all vision. We're using a similar word, calling. You've got one. Don't doubt it. It's based less on what you think of yourself and more on what you feel. 
And again, if you've given up your dreams for whatever reason, we've listed some already, and you want to discover or to remember or to rekindle or to accelerate that whole process, if you're at a point in your life where you're saying, I'm I'm really sick of the rat race, and I want to get off this uh, treadmill. This I want to get out of this hamster cage. And whatever the nature of my lifestyle, rich, poor, somewhere in between, what difference does it make if I'm really happy, if I'm really fulfilled, if I really feel like I'm making a difference and I have something to offer other people? Now, I I can pretty much guarantee you that when you do that, as you do that, your basic needs are going to be taken care of. I'm not sure who gets credit for the saying anymore, but there's a very popular saying in the personal improvement community that if you do what you love, the money will follow. Do not chase the money. Chase the passion. Chase the vision. <laughs> Dream it up and then go do it one step at a time. Learning as you go. Remember, goals are more of a direction than a destination. They're about getting you going in the right direction. And then as you approach the goal, you may want to modify it a little bit. Peek it and tweak it, recalibrate. You get to change your mind. And as you approach a particular goal, it's likely that you will. A teacher of mine used to say, ready, aim, fire, now aim, 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 aim. You know, you're not a, a, a bullet that once shot or an arrow once released that cannot be recalled. You are a cybernetic device. You can, you have feedback. You can respond. You can fire and then aim, 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 aim. Right? So the goal is less a destination than a direction. This will help you if you have a phobia about setting goals for fear that you always fail anyway, so why even bother? The reason you don't have what you want, perhaps, could be that you don't know what you want, you don't have the vision, but how often is it true for you that if you were honest about what you want to do with your life, you would have to say, yeah, I, I really do know my calling, my my purpose, my my vision is clear, but I'm not willing to do what I need to do to get it. I'm I'm I don't want again, maybe it's a fear of disappointment. Um there's so many so many reasons for it. I had several clients over the years, I have had several clients over the years who came to a realization that they were sabotaging themselves so that they would not be more successful than their parents because they didn't want to embarrass their parents. Is that true for you? And if so, do you realize that that's what you're doing? Or is this the first time you've ever thought of it? Because in the case of these people that I was working with at the time, in all honesty, they were completely unaware of the way they were sabotaging themselves and why. Because 
as it came out in the work I was doing with them, I taught them the kinds of skill sets and tools and techniques that I teach you guys every week. They began to realize, oh my God, I'm, I didn't realize it till just now. It was a subconscious drive to avoid success, to make sure I didn't embarrass my parents by making more money than they did or living in a bigger house. Hey, check in with your parents. I'll bet they would love for you to be more successful. <laughs> right? I mean, how many moms and dads do do um, uh, what's the word I want? Not meaningless, menial jobs. How many parents do menial jobs so that their kids can go to the university and have better more fulfilling jobs. They're sacrificing so that you can be more successful. Is it possible you have a self-sabotage built in? So great is your fear of fulfillment. Sometimes it's just, well, I, I, I don't want to be too successful. I've got the vision, but I'm afraid if I was successful, then I would get a big ego. And I would think that... Uh, other people would see me as arrogant and pompous and and elitist. And uh, that's a word the right wing likes to use against Barack, right? He's an elitist. Oh, that's a bad thing. He went to Harvard. He's one of the most intelligent people we've ever had in the White House, especially compared to the last eight years with W. So how are we going to bring down this intellectual giant? Well, we'll call him an elitist. We... <laughs> we wouldn't want to be too full of ourselves, right? Um, the irony, if I could use that word, is that the more you know about who you are and what you're truly capable of, the smaller your ego gets. So this idea that if I'm too successful, I'll be perceived as as arrogant and pompous and then I'll lose all my friends. So... I'm just going to fail at a bunch of stuff and stay here in the middle. I won't do A work in school because nobody likes the egghead. I won't flunk out because nobody likes a stupid kid. I'll just get B's and C's and be like everybody else. Well, yeah, have you looked around? Maybe everybody else isn't all that happy, right? Maybe conforming to some sort of mean or, or averageness is not going to be very fulfilling in the long run. Don't wait until you're 80 years old to say, you know, I really blew it. Don't wait till you're 60 to look around and say, well, it's too late now to go to school. Don't wait till you're 40 and locked into a dead-end job or a career to say, you know, what I really wanted to do was whatever your age you know, whether you're a teenager or a senior citizen, forget age and do it now. Live your life now. You're never too too old to go back to school, to retrain yourself, to pursue as a hobby or an avocation, even if you have to keep a daytime job that may not be as fulfilling as you'd like it to be. Pursue the vision as an avocation, right there's a word i got to bring in that I haven't mentioned yet that is part and parcel 
of this whole idea of vision, finding that longing, and then having the the willingness to accept it and to commit to it. And that's passion. And if I go back to the high eagle quotation, his final point is commitment precedes vision. I'd like to suggest that passion precedes commitment. You know, the premium program, premium content audio program that Steve and I do from FocusedPassion.com has that word in it, doesn't it? FocusedPassion.com is the website that sponsors this teleseminar as well as the premium uh, audio program that we do. Both of the programs are podcasts, but they're really not podcasts. Podcasts are essentially a 15-minute throwaway, a tease or an infomercial to get you to buy product. This class is free, and it delivers high-quality content, and we do the same thing on Focused Passion for 99 cents a week. Yeah, they're podcastable, you know, but they're really premium audio programs. And Focused Passion is what we call the website. It's not just the focus you need, the goal or the target. You've got to care about it. You've got to be passionate. It's like uh, mind science. In, in, in basic mind science, the mental nature determines the particular goal, which we call the energy. But the passion is the emotional nature, and that's the force behind the energy that creates the substantial outcome. Energy, force, and substance corresponds to thought feeling or passion, belief, right? It's not just if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. It's if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. That middle, believe it, that's the faith. That's the passion, right, that is a part of all of this. That's the force behind the energy. So as you get a vision, as you get clear on that vision, right, the quest is one of passion and commitment to move in that direction knowing that you can fine-tune and modify along the way and that what others on similar paths might call a mistake or even a failure, you'll see instead as an opportunity to learn, to adjust, to modify a little bit, right? and continue on. And then as long as you do not quit, you cannot fail, and life will support you. Life, God, the absolute, the universe, fate, whatever you want to call it, the creative force behind all things, will not give you a dream without the means to attain it. The universe will not give you a vision, a sense of purpose, meaning, and calling without the talents and gifts and abilities, albeit in need of development. Nevertheless, if you've got a dream and you've got a passion, I'd like you to consider that you must then have the ability to do it. Now, the only other point I want to add, and then we'll go to some of your questions and your 
and your comments, either by text or telephone, is that wishful thinking is not a vision. All right? You may know the axiom, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If, and this is a criticism of, of, of people that watch that video, The Secret, or read the book, The Secret, and, and as beginners first learn about the law of attraction, the problem with being a beginner or a, or a neophyte in the field is it's often held out that all you have to do is wish and hope and pray for something and it becomes manifest that that there's no passion involved, there's no commitment involved, there's no need for perseverance, it'll just all be handed to you on a silver platter. No, you have to <laughs> you've got to earn your way. So having said that, we need to distinguish the difference then between a wish and a real vision. Um, a, a, an example would be um, maybe I'm uh, five foot uh, six, sort of short, and uh, not very strong, not very well built, not very stocky, and uh, my vision. What I'm calling a vision, my purpose in life is to be an NBA star, to be a uh, in the National Basketball uh, League and be a superstar basketball player against these guys that are seven feet tall. That's a wish. <laughs> That's not a vision. You can say, well, I could get uh, some weights and I could get a trainer and I could get strong. Sure, but... You're still going to be five foot six, and it's not likely that that you are going to be spiritually imbued with the vision that you're going to be this great basketball player at five foot six. It might be a wish of yours, but that's not a vision. So we all have wishes and dreams, right? But that's not a vision. I love to play guitar, for example. I've played guitar all my life. I just, I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't play guitar, if once or twice a week I couldn't pick up one of my guitars and just noodle around on the thing for 15 or 20 minutes. You know, uh, when I was a kid, I suppose, and at other times in my life, I thought about being a musician for a career, but that was just a wish. And I explored the wish as a dream. But it wasn't a vision because I never really believed. I never really had the passion. Some part of me said, no, that's not what you're about. Right? You could be a good guitar player. You could be a really good guitar player. You could probably even create a career if you wanted it badly enough around your guitar playing. But that's not your calling. Michael, your calling is journalism. Your passion is commenting on current events. Initially, as a broadcast journalist and talk show host, I used current events and news as a way of talking about 
personal uh, and spiritual development. And then as radio became destroyed by over-centralization of ownership and the music industry as well and talk radio became hate, hate radio, uh, I just couldn't do that anymore. That's why I'm so excited we have this new option here on the Internet now. We can do real Internet radio with phone calls and be all over the world, and I don't have to own a radio station or uh, have commercials. We're commercial-free and ad-free, and it's so cool that we're able to do that. That was my passion. I've always known it, that that's what I had to do. I was... Um, midway through college when I started working in commercial radio and worked in the field that I was majoring in. So I was able to work my way through college doing what I intended to do when I finished college. And uh, there was a nice little side benefit, too. I was able to waive a few courses and, and comp a few other courses that I got credit for, even though I didn't take the course because work credit applied. So I was very fortunate in that I discovered my calling early on, public speaking, commentary, and a passion for news that evolved and unfolded from current events and news mostly about politics and government and crime to an interest in philosophy and uh, the thread really is a search for the truth. As a journalist, I was looking for the truth. And as in the 1980s, I evolved into philosophy and spirituality. That was just an extension of my search for truth. And that's been my passion. I still play the guitar. Um, I have very few regrets in life. Uh, but another is I would have played more baseball as a kid. <laughs> right? Um, the cheerleaders were in football, so I, I, I didn't do baseball because there was no cheerleaders. But I really loved baseball. I should have pursued that. But even then, it, it would have been a wish. It would have been a hobby. It would have been a lot of fun. Uh, and I was somewhat passionate about it, but not enough to keep me from playing football because I thought it was a better sport or a more important sport. And I doubt I mean, I'm, I'm sure now, as I look back, that my calling was not to be a professional musician or a professional athlete, baseball or whatever. I found my passion early on, by 19 or 20, and so forever grateful that I did find that passion, that calling. I had that vision, and it arrived with passion. It arrived with a sense of confirmation. And, again, I think if you have never had that experience, I'm going to show you how to get it. If you had it but lost it and are not sure you can rekindle that interest, or you're not sure how to fit it into your life because you have responsibilities now. You have to keep the day job. Well, stay with us for a few minutes as we do the visualization exercise here. And with a little bit of practice, I uh, think you can rekindle all of this and um, get going here and find your vision. So let's go to the questions. If you'd like to use text, 
just use the form at the bottom of the web page in front of you. Uh, write your question or your comment. Uh, include your uh, name and the city where you are. And uh, be sure and click the Submit button. If you fill those forms out but you don't hit Submit, I won't see it. So go ahead and do that. And if you'd like to talk to me on the phone live and uh, like we used to do in radio talk shows, you can call any one of the numbers on the screen in front of you. Um, there's a primary phone number. There's a backup phone number. I can tell you right now, nobody is calling in, just me and the system that's recording it. So the lines are wide open. Use the primary number, the backup number, or again, if you're concerned about long-distance fees, click on that little link right above the player that says Other Numbers, and you'll see phone numbers all over the United States, any one of which you can use. And then when you're prompted by the message machine, by the robot lady inside your telephone, enter the conference ID and you'll pop up. You'll you'll hear that the telephone is live. The website is delayed a little bit, so you might be a bit surprised when they answer the phone. But once you're on the line, I won't unmute you or bring you on the air unless or until you press star 2. That's the way you raise your hand, so to speak. Hit the asterisk button on your telephone pad just to the left of the zero, that star, and then the number two, and that'll show me that you want to be acknowledged. Otherwise, you can, you can call, and I'm not going to unmute you or call upon you if you don't raise your hand, right? That's the way this works. Star two if you're on the telephone and you want to be on the air, so to speak, live, and, uh, and ask your question that way, okay? So let me start with the text and see who we have. Let me hit refresh here. All right. Let's start with uh, Carol in La Habra. Carol Postello is with us and says hello again. Michael and Doreen, hello, Carol. And uh, happy, you know, I haven't said anything about Independence Day, so happy Fourth of July. Today is the fifth of July. Hope you're having a great Independence Day weekend. Um, freedom is a great thing, and whatever criticisms we may have uh, about government, uh, we got a pretty wonderful Constitution and a Bill of Rights. If we can just hold on to it, we're still largely free, free to criticize. Uh, we're getting spied on, right? Or we were. Maybe we still are, but uh, I think a lot of the domestic spying is really out of the hands of the President and the Congress, but that's another story for another day. Let's do whatever we can to celebrate our liberty, our independence, our freedom on this holiday weekend. Uh, also in Los Osos, with us again this week is Philip. And he says, uh, great music before your show. Thank you, Philip. Uh, that's from, I'm not sure which cut, but that's from one of the Liquid Music uh, LPs. There's a series of them. And, gosh, offhand, I don't even remember the fellow's name, but 
he goes by as if his band was called Liquid Music. And you could Google that and find it, I think. If not, shoot me an email and I'll see if I can get that for you. It's a whole series of meditation CDs that I've used in my practice over the years. Uh, so thank you for that, uh, Philip. And in Pittsburgh, John Bowles is with us. Hello, John. He says aloha to Michael and Doreen. Wonderful class today. Thank you, John. I appreciate you uh, being with us today. Give us a call, John. I'd love to talk to you on the phone here, too. Robert Fiegel in Irvine says aloha, Michael. I remember I was about 15, and I loved playing football in high school. My mom was dating this guy, and when I told him about me playing ball, uh, he responded with, I played ball, and I was good, but I was 6'2", and 260, and you're just too small to be a football player. You need to go to a different sport. This is the guy his mother's dating, right? Uh, a, a car salesman, Robert says. And I think you'll find most people who shoot down your dreams have already given up theirs a long time ago. Well, you know, Robert, I think that's a very, very intelligent insight. Perhaps he's absolutely right. The people that try to pull you down and shatter your dreams have already given theirs up. Very insightful. Thank you for that. He goes on, the only one that has to believe in your dream to make it come true, or believe in your dreams, plural, to make them come true, is you. Outstanding class, as always, thanks for being, uh, thank you for the enlightenment. It couldn't come along at a better time. Peace, Robert. Thank you, Robert, in Irvine. In Los Angeles, uh, our friend Molly is online. Hello, Molly. So nice to hear from you. She says, great show today. And she put in a little, uh, one of those sideways smiley faces. And I'm putting your face in that place, Molly. Nice to hear from you. She says, with regard to today's topic, what about the poor people on shows like American Idol who believe that their dream and purpose is to be a singer, and yet that career may not be up to them? It's up to a record company who may think they're too old, or um, it's up to Simon, she says. Uh, no need to answer if you don't have time. Just wondering. Love you, Molly. Uh, thanks, Molly. Yeah, I think that's, again, the difference between a wish and a real vision, right? If you don't have the ability to do it, then it's you don't have the passion. You don't have that deep core yearning. Then it's just a fancy. It's a wish. It's uh, coming from a often immature place. And... Uh, you know, Idol is a great example. <laughs> I've seen a couple of people freak out in the auditions. I think some of the better programming is at the beginning of the season when they do the audition. And, and these people, well, I, I saw one woman say, well, of course I can't sing, but I think I should uh, go to Hollywood to represent all the people that cannot sing and have no talent. Like she had <laughs> some kind of right to represent untalented people on American Idol. That's not a calling. That's some sort of crazy wish. And so to discern the difference is to underscore the importance of using altered states of expanded awareness to come in touch with what may be hidden 
or submerged or a passion that you have that, as Robert said, somebody shot down or, as I discussed earlier, um, a parent or authority figure like a school teacher or, or a neighbor or could be the bully up the block uh, teased you and harassed you and, and shattered your dreams that way. Or, or maybe a well-intentioned parent said, well, I just don't want you to be disappointed and caused you to believe that you'd never be any good at that. Um, so to know the difference between a wish, uh, a, 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 a fanciful thought, right and a real vision requires the use of altered states and we'll do that in just a minute give you an idea uh, how to do it another robert in irvine uh, my amateur radio buddy roberts uh, kw6b says do you think before we create a vision or roadmap for our lives we must first understand who we are or is it possible that we can also better understand ourselves by following our inner urges, and maybe it's both at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think the vision is the roadmap, and it speaks directly to identity as well. And is it possible, Robert goes on, to better understand ourselves by following our inner urges? I, I yeah. What choice do you have? If you don't follow your inner urge, then you're going to follow other people or become a people pleaser, trying to, if only I could please enough people to a great enough degree or extent, then I'll be happy. I just need to please more people. No, you need to please yourself, right? What's that saying? If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything? This is all part and parcel of the same process, to have a vision quest that is identity as well as motivation. Motivation and identity. Who am I? What do I care about? What am I here to do? Those are both elements of what I'm calling vision. Not just some wish, right, but a real vision. Great questions. In Tucson, Lorelai is with us and says aloha. Uh... I took on a new level in my career, not just for the money, but for the challenge, but I now feel overwhelmed. In my old position, I was so confident I knew how to do it with my eyes closed. I now feel like maybe I should step down to my old position or quit because I'm starting to doubt myself. How do we gain the confidence to overcome self-doubting and turn it into self-confidence? Thanks for the great class. Michael, you are a beautiful spirit. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Thank you, Laura Lyons. Very sweet of you. And really a great question. By the way, I'm about to go to the phone, so if you have a mind to talk to us on the air here, so to speak, live, use any of the telephone numbers on the page in front of you. Enter the conference ID, and if you do want to be acknowledged, raise your hand by pressing star 2. And I'll go over there in a minute. We'll talk to some of you. I know you're all bashful. I know. <laughs> That's why we have both of these now. Well, Lorelai, um, this is all a matter of self-talk, of what you say to yourself. And, um, you know, the name of the 
series that Steve and I do at FocusedPassion.com is Finding Yourself in Paradise. And we separate yourself into two words because it's not yourself. It's not that small s self that we're finding in paradise, in altered states, in meditation, in the alpha brainwave state. It's a higher self that becomes available, a capital S self. In fact, we often write it all caps, S-E-L-F, in all caps, finding that self in paradise. And that's the self that does believe, that does have the passion, and that is willing to commit. There is, for example, something called goodwill, but there's also the will to good. There is such a thing as love happening to us. We fall in love or victims of love. But there's also such a thing as a will to love, will to good, will to love. This is commitment. This is perseverance. This is, I, I'm going to give it everything that I've got. And as far as being overwhelmed, well, you have the tools for that, and if you don't remember them, let me remind you, and you can check some of the archives, or check the archives for some of the past programs uh, to see if you can get refreshed on some of this. But when we feel overwhelmed, what we need are organizational skills, Lorelei, and, and, the, and the basics of dealing with the feeling of being overwhelmed, having too much to do. It, it, it's not that you can't do this thing or that thing or the other thing. If you mean by overwhelmed that I just can't do them all at once, well, who could? Especially a bunch of new things that you've never done before. Anything new is stressful. Even something wonderful and positive. If it's new, it's stressful, right? Getting a new house is as stressful as being foreclosed upon, a new job every bit as stressful as getting fired, a new baby is as stressful as a death in the family. So that's what you're talking about. Here's what you do. You categorize, you prioritize, and you break this job into bite-sized pieces. It's like the old joke, how do you eat an elephant? And the wise guy says one bite at a time. What do I do when I'm overwhelmed? You organize, categorize, break your job into categories, right? Maybe you haven't been well-trained. If you've got a good trainer or a supervisor that you can go to, ask for help. That doesn't make you look stupid. It makes you look smart when you ask for help. It makes you look like a go-getter. Hey, I need your help with this. Leaders ask questions. Leaders ask for help, right? So don't worry about appearing that, you know, you might not be very good if you ask for help. Say, how do you handle this, right? And how, how, how would you organize and categorize? And then break it down into bite-sized pieces and do one thing at a time. Manageable Bite-sized pieces, do one thing at a time, and get that flow chart down. I say go for it. I just don't believe in failure. 
Have I failed in my life? Many times, countless times. I just refuse to call it failure. Am I in denial? No, I have a different word for it. What most people call failure, I call an opportunity to learn. And I learn, and I apply what I've learned, and maybe I fail again, but now I know even more, and I just keep on going and keep on going, right? Readjusting, modifying, re-aiming as I go. So believe in yourself. Give her a go. Even if the outcome is not what you expect it to be, you'll have the satisfaction of knowing you did your best, you gave it a go, I believe in you, right? Um, I think it would just be much worse to arrive at various stages in our lives where we look back with regrets and resentments that we just didn't try or we gave up too early or we refused to believe in ourselves, you know? Again, you, each one of us are are born with such extraordinary gifts and talents, as Marianne Williamson said, and Nelson Mandela quoted her in his inauguration speech. He said, it's not our inadequacy that we're afraid of. It's not failing. It's succeeding that we're afraid of. It's our, it's our magnificence that terrifies us. Success is more frightening than failure to a lot of people because failure at least is familiar and success may not be so give her a go risk being magnificent risk being wonderful risk being happy and fulfilled stretch a little bit do the best that you can do and then stretch and add you know when I set goals I think about the best that I think I could do and then I add 10 or 15%, right? That's the whole idea, to get you to stretch, to get you to grow a little bit, to reach for something just a little, just a little beyond <laughs> what you know you can reach and uh, see if that doesn't make a difference. Okay, let's see. I messed up on my screens here. Give me a second to get it all back. All right. Um who else have we got? Bert in Honolulu on Oahu. Hello, Bert. He's with us again this week. Says, greetings, Michael. Keep up the good work. And aloha. And aloha back at you, Bert. Kareem in Cerritos. Hi, Kareem. Says, thanks for the class today. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Aloha. And let me switch over to the voice panel here. And none of you are calling. Nobody wants to call. You remember when I was mean on the radio? Is that it? Well, I've got the system. I want to use it. I will use it. I just need to encourage you to call. So we've got time for our visualization exercise, and that's about it. So in the future, you can still do this. You can still put in the text messages, but I'd love to have some live callers. We had a couple of people last week. Dr. Kev called from Amsterdam. Carol called from Anaheim. And uh, I'd love to hear it. I think it'd be a really a fun thing to do. So maybe next week we'll uh, encourage some of you guys to call. By the way, I am aware of the uh, inconsistency in volume that we had last week. 
and we'll work all of that out. It's just going to take a couple of weeks to get the bugs out of that. So um, I guess the best thing to do in that case is then is just go to our visualization exercise, and I'll keep this caller panel up in case some of you um, or even one of you wants to call before we wrap it up here. Let's do the exercise now, the guided imagery exercise that will show you the, the, the type of skill necessary to come in touch not just with a wish or what you may think of as a good career idea, but an innate, God-given passion, something that speaks directly to your identity and to your motives, your reason, who you are, and why you exist, okay? So get comfortable, provided this is a good time for you. I don't want you doing this, uh, obviously, if, uh, you know, you're driving a car or something, because uh, even if you don't close your eyes, this can reduce your reaction time. So if you're driving a car might, uh, and you're listening on the cell phone, you might as well close it up and then revisit the replay when, uh, again, I, I, you're not going to fall into some deep trance, but um, even if you keep your eyes open, it may slow your reaction time. I hesitate for you to listen to a meditation like this if you're in a car. Otherwise, get comfortable, pump up the pillows, get uh, all cozy and comfortable, sit straight up, but don't... You, you don't need to be rigid. You want to be balanced. So put your shoulders back so that your rib cage opens. Lift your chin. Balance your head. And consider a straight line going from the top of your head right down through the center of your neck, right down through the center of your spine. You're not rigid. You're not a two-by-four. You can even sit back in the chair and the pillows and be comfortable, but you're aligned. And having created the sense of alignment, take a couple of slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale and ah, as you exhale. Create and sense a letting go feeling. And do that two, three, four times, very slowly, as slowly as possible. Breathing in, and as you breathe out, that's the letting go side. Feel the letting go. And then turn your breathing over to autopilot. Let your body breathe itself all by itself. And put your attention on the bottom of your nose. And take another minute to simply watch the ebb and flow of your breathing. Mindfully watch your body doing the breathing. You're not breathing. You turned it over to autopilot. Your body is breathing. You're watching at the very bottom of the nose. This is an ancient technique found all around the world. And if you did nothing else for 
10 or 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour. This would be a very, very effective meditation, just watching the breath. If you added to that a full heart, that also would be a wonderful technique. We're going to go a little further and use guided imagery, suggestion, and affirmation. But to watch the breath, to take a few slow, deep breaths and spend about a minute just ah, letting go and mindfully watching your body breathing itself is part of the induction process. And now begin to visualize because your eyes are already closed. So the feeling you're making it up is exactly right. Just visualize a beautiful place of peace, a paradise, a garden, a beautiful garden. And imagine yourself walking into and through this beautiful Eden, this paradise, with warm, sunny meadows and cool, shady, forested places. This could be a, a, a place you've actually visited, or some place that's entirely from your imagination, or a little of both. It doesn't really matter. You could be on the mountaintop or down in a valley. It could be really green with waterfalls and, and mountain streams and little placid lakes. Or you could be in a sunny, warm meadow or on a lonely, isolated stretch of beach or deep in the enchanted forest. <laughs> you dream it up. The key words are safe and relaxed. As you sit upon the earth, go ahead and sit down. You might imagine yourself sitting in the dirt, sitting on the grass, in a shady spot, or in the full sun. My voice will guide you, allow my voice to go with you. And feel the gentle warmth of that sun on your face, in your arms. Or if you're in a shady place, notice how it's a little cooler there. and Perhaps there are these gentle breezes that carry the wonderful fragrances of being deep in nature. And time is standing still for you. You feel so safe and so relaxed. This is a place, particularly the exercise we're going to do today, where we stand open and receptive to an awareness that is either in us already yet largely undiscovered still. Or if you prefer, an awareness, an understanding that is coming through you now as a result of creating a path of least resistance, sitting so safely with so much relaxation about your being that 
stand open and receptive to a sense of this downward precipitation, feeling imbued by and filled by a life force that is personal and unique, that lights up, that illumines or illuminates within you a sense of who you are and what you're for. As if slowly a light is coming on inside you. It may pop on or it may be a gradual dawning. But this is not logic or reasoning. This is not a bunch of if-then statements. This is not a subtracting, this isn't true and that won't work and I don't want this, to arrive at a conclusion. Forget all of that. Let it go. And instead, imagine yourself sitting receptive and open like a chalice, a vessel, or an urn to a gentle downward precipitation, an inspiration to be inspired is to be breathed into. And just allow, without any effort whatsoever, that longing to be more. That sense that you've surely had at various times in your life that you're a very special person that that has very personal feelings about things. Orient yourself in such a way, mentally and especially emotionally, with a quiet mind and a calm heart, to the subtler feelings that remain. even beyond the ebb and flow of emotion, to a, a spiritual essence that you're feeling within you that says, you exist for a reason. You are here on a mission. There is a significant contribution that you are to make in this lifetime that will serve others humanity at large and you as the one that gives that service to the world everybody wins and maybe what occurs to you now and in future sessions as you practice this receptive state is an idea that you've had in the past but you pushed away from now on you're going to stop pushing it away if it's a fear of being disappointed then name it that and give that fear of disappointment a little hug so it feels safe and comfortable and allow to materialize an even more clear version of your mission 
Maybe you have a career that is different or a job you've got to keep for a while. The day job isn't all of that, but you could pursue your mission as an avocation in your spare time, after work, and on weekends. As as I say, an avocation or a hobby, an interest. But we'll work all that out later. Right now, just come in touch with that calling inside. And in this short initial exercise, if you don't feel you've come in touch with it, well, simply repeat the process. And you be the self-narrator. You guide yourself. There's no wrong way to do this. You use breath. Close your eyes. Feel safe and relaxed, and gently hold open the question, who am I, what am I for? That you may have a vision that you can accept and commit to for all the rewards, for all the rewards, you, others, humanity at large. And bring that awareness, whether it's subtle or profound, with you. Remember to repeat the process every day, just a couple of minutes. And honor and respect that innate calling. As you take a slow, deep breath, fill your lungs, and as you exhale, open your eyes, wide awake, alert, back in the room, feeling fine, rested, refreshed, with a sense of who you are and what you're for, your vision quest. Hey, you can always email me at mb, my initials, mb, at theagelesswisdom.com. You can also email me simply at newsletter at focusedpassion.com. I'll get those too. You can write to newsletter at focusedpassion.com. We talked about the archives for this class. Remember to check out Focused Passion as well. Come on inside. You can be a contributor and fill out the form later. For now, just click on the button that says, maybe later, send me the free stuff and get all seven programs, six complete programs, including the accelerated learning classes, and give those to students, to your kids and others you know that are in school. It's called the Family Learning Hour, just part of the six complete programs and then one little intro that you get absolutely free, but you've got to click the button that says, 